Good day to all you beautiful empowerment seekers. I recently had the pleasure of chatting with a fellow spiritual and empowerment coach, author, and speaker, Christian De La Huerta. Christian is a spiritual coach and a leadership development consultant whose work ranges from individuals and couples in private practice to major corporations and nonprofit groups. He's the author of Awakening the Soul of Power, How to Live Heroically and Set Yourself Free. Christian is an award-winning author and an acclaimed speaker at various settings, including universities, conferences, corporate training, spiritual communities, and the TEDx stage. Audiences find Christian's message particularly relevant in this time period. Christian is here to talk to us about his book and how to become the hero in your own life. I'm fully confident you'll walk away from this conversation inspired and ready to step into your personal power. Welcome, Christian De La Huerta. I am so, so incredibly excited to have you with me here today on the Sweet Empowerment Podcast. I read your book, Awakening the Soul of Power, How to Live Heroically and Set Yourself Free. I highlighted the crap out of the book. (laughs) The writing is exemplary. The examples are spot on. And Mm. I found your book to be a clear and practical guide to learning to become your own hero. And I just wanted to start off by saying it was beautifully written and well done. And thank you for sharing your gift with us in the world. Well, Kristen, that is so profoundly moving. Thank you so much for for saying that. You are so welcome. So how about we just jump right into these questions because I have so many for you. I can tell you one thing that reading your book, I got the essence of who you were or are, which made it even more exciting to me to be able to jump on and share energy with you in this podcast Mm. because I was like, who I like him. I like this person. So this is going to be so much fun. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so my first question to you is, what does soulful power mean to you? And why did you write this book? Wow, okay. So most of us have an ambivalent relationship to power. Like we want it, but we're afraid of it. And, and no wonder, right? We're, we, I think at the core, we're afraid that we might abuse it. And all we gotta do is turn on the news on any given day and to witness multiple abuses of power. Add to that the fact that we've been conditioned to think of power as a bad thing. You know, quotes like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What they didn't tell us though, is that that in its original content was specifically talking about political power, not interpersonal power. And add to the mix, the fact that we've been conditioned to to be afraid of the emotions, we we hate conflict, we avoid confrontation, put that all into a mix. And what happens is like we end up giving away our power. We end up settling, selling ourselves out and settling for illusion of security and for morsels of pseudo love and for a false sense of acceptance. So what drives this book is helping us to see that there is a way that we can reclaim our power, that we can step into our power that doesn't have to be associated with the negatives, right? That doesn't mean that we have to abuse any, anybody. That doesn't mean that we're going to be corrupted because what good hearted persons want to, it's going to want to be corrupted. So we give it away. Um, and so, so that's the, the message of it, that there is a way that we can reclaim it and find ways of expressing it that are congruent with who we are. Yeah. 
That's, that is, abs- I hear that. I feel that on a visceral level that so many people give away their power because they, they're kind of afraid of power. And like you said, that they will exploit it or that it's, it's a corruptible thing. Same thing with money. I feel people feel like, well, exactly. if, if I become wealthy, then I'm going to become a jerk. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Exactly. Because we've been conditioned here with the like biblical teachings, like the eye of the needle that in many ways were taken out of context or, or mistranslated. Right. Um, and so we end up thinking that money's a bad thing where money's not good is not bad. It's just energy like anything else. Exactly. Um, and so is power, right? It's, it's not intrinsically good or bad. It depends on how we express it, how we use it. So the soulful power, power part of it, to answer your original question, is how do we step into it's, it's that question, right? How do we step into power in a way that is not about hierarchy, about control, about fear, about force, about manipulation, um, but a way that is congruent with that inherently good part of each one of us. Yes. So a, a, the kind of power that is inside each one of us and nobody can give it to us. Nobody can take it away. Only we can give it away. Absolutely. I love that. You said that you would be an unlikely person to write this book. Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory about why you feel like, you? I mean, I think we all kind of feel that way when we write a book, like, why am I writing? But tell us, tell us your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, so many layers of that. So I was born in Cuba, you know, so I lived in a communist country for the first 10 years of my life in a dictatorial totalitarian regime, you know, which was definitely power is very hierarchical and the state had power over every aspect of of your life. The state pretty much owned your your belongings for sure. And in many, in many senses owned you. Um, And so, you know, like choices that we take for granted here, like what am I going to study in college is like, no. Like, they didn't exist in, in, the, in that environment. My family is also very, very Catholic. So again, another very hierarchical, very power over institution. Um, because my parents were counter-revolutionary, so they were actually conspiring against Castro in the beginning, we, we grew up with this kind of unspoken message of not shining too much, kind of keep things hidden. Quiet, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it was risky. Out of their pot of friends who were, you know, in, conspiring, they were the only ones who were not shot or who were not um, imprisoned for years and years. And so then we came to the States when I was 10. I didn't speak a word of English and I was pain, painfully shy. I was okay one on one. If you added a third human, it's like clammed up. Mm-hmm. To the degree, Kristen, uh, I was a good student. You know, it's like, one of the benefits of having been raised in Cuba is that we didn't, you know, we had a TV, but there was nothing worth watching. So I grew up reading Mm -hmm. and I grew up, you know, we grew up inventing our own games, which was great in terms of, you know, fostering creativity and thinking out of the box. Um, And so I had a 4.0 in high school, except for 1B. And of course, I didn't do this intentionally. I didn't set out to do this. But looking back on it, I have no doubt that I subconsciously sabotaged my GPA so that I wouldn't have to be the valedictorian because there is no way, no way that I could have possibly stood in front of of an auditorium filled with hundreds and hundreds of people. There's just no way that I could have been able to do that. And and the reason that that I think that those stories of my life that make me unlikely to be talking about what it means to be a hero and, 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 and how do we step into our power is because I know 
that it can all that stuff all our self-doubt all our insecurities all the conditioning all that stuff can be transcended and overcome these days it's like i'm you know i speak all over the world i'm a tedx speaker um you could say i'm a professional speaker in the sense that i occasionally get paid to speak um and my adolescence was one long depression like really really long depression i know self-doubt i know self-hatred and these days, no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances, the details of my life, I never question myself for it. Mm -hmm. Whether a relationship works out or it doesn't, or a project succeeds or it fails, my, my self-worth is established. I love how you said fails with quotes because yeah. it's so true. It's how we view failure. It's how we're going to go in life. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like if we view it as like, oh, I suck. I'm never good. This is never going to work. Nothing good happens to me. Or you can finish this sentence. We can view failure in what way? <laughs> right. And so if we view it from that perspective, right? Like what can I, what can I learn from that experience? What was that experience showing me so that I never do that again? Then there are no failed relationships and there are no failed projects. It's all part of the learning process. Yeah, which is to me, it is, I think that's a concept that once people really can grasp that, like you said, your subtitle of your book, book is to set yourself free. When mm. I was writing that down in my notes, I wrote free in capital, all caps, because I was like, we're just looking for that freedom, just that personal freedom inside of our own hearts that we can just do and be who we are and viewing failure and removing the I suck basically is where that freedom happens. Yes, so yeah. at the top of chap chapter three, you stated that you believe the single most important thing that needs to happen in our world is the empowerment of women. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, and the book is for everybody, obviously. We all struggle with, with issues of power and giving it away. It has a particular message about women's empowerment mm -hmm. because I believe and I'm convinced that the empowerment of women is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world. Not to idealize women, not to put them up on a pedestal. You and I both know women who have abused power and, and done so egregiously. Mm -hmm. So it's not to make, it's not to add another layer of responsibility for women, which already carry a lot of responsibilities. Um, it's because the world has been running off balance. So off balance for way too many thousand years. And so I believe that when women are in 50% of power in this world, right, we don't, we don't need, we need to go back. We don't want to go back to a matriarchal system. We want to, we want balance right? Right. between the world and inside each one of us, between the masculine and the feminine energies that we all have inside of us. And so when women are in 50% of power, we'll have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger and social justice and distribution of wealth and how we treat the environment to all of it. So for me, it's, it's like thinking strategically, like what is one thing that we could focus on or that I could focus on that then is going to have impact at multiple levels. Mm -hmm. I love that because the balance of which I'm hearing so much more of this in the world today, and I love that you wrote about it in your book, is that the balance between the masculine and the feminine energies is when really even within our own self even the men having to balance that, you know, the feminine energy, which men shy so much away from, but a lot of women have had to step into their masculine to survive 
and forget about the feminine and the men had had to do the same. And, and, and if a man ha- tends to have feminine energies, he's dubbed all kinds of names and bullying and all kinds of things. So it's, can you just share with us just a little bit about that, the balancing of it, like what that really means yeah. within one person, like within yourself? Yeah. Like, you know, I think about it as, you know, much to the surprise of some humans, we are part of nature. Right? We are part of the cosmos. So we have the same, we're made of the same stuff that the stars are made of. We, we have energies course, coursing through, through us that are both masculine and feminine, just like the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. And so it's for some reason in the last several thousand years, and it was, I think it was a power strategy, anything that was of, of the feminine, we, we made it less than. Right, we we and and that also has to do that connects to the our relationship between the physical and the spiritual. Uh, so we, you know, anything that we considered the feminine, it was something, or, or the spiritual, we put far away from us. Right, we're like, where the hell is heaven anyway? Yeah. Um, and so, and anything of the feminine, it was something less than it was something to be conquered, subjugated, controlled, which impacts our relationship to to the earth. Right, we've we've had this kind of rape and pillage relationship to to yeah. how we treat nature. And now we're just paying, beginning to pay the price for it because we can say that COVID is a symptom of our relationship to nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, we're living in, in times where, where life, where nature is forcing us to look at these issues and to find a way to balance them. And the only way we're gonna balance them in the world is it's gotta start here inside each one of us. And, and so what does that mean, right? It's, there's so many layers of that too, like, let, but let's look at the emotions. Right? We've labeled the emotions weakness, like what we were talking about before. Yes. So what happens is that we, and, and because of some toxic and very limited definitions of what it means to be a man, you know, when, when you're talking about women who try to step into like rise up the corporate ladder or something, we see so many examples of, of them becoming masculinized in the way they dress, in the way they, they, they wear their hair, you know, they, they kind of put aside their femininity or the more sensual aspects of, of being. And then, you know, then we walk around like not feeling because this is tough and this is right. like what it means to be a man, but there's a price to pay for that. Yes. Right. That's why this system doesn't work even for men mm-hmm. because men are paying a price. We're not even compared to what women, the price that women have paid in terms of the oppression and the lack of equality. But in terms, of, in terms of longevity, women outlive men by five years in the U.S., by seven years globally. The rate of suicide is four times as high among men. Oh, yeah. 70% of the suicides in the U.S. are committed by middle-aged white men. Mm-hmm. Right? So we begin to, to questions like, why? why? Why is the system in which they have so much advantage, it's not working for them? Right. And I think part of it is that because it's such a limited prison of what it means to be a man. And, and, and the emotions, like what we're saying, is that they're not good. They're not bad. They're just energies. Mm-hmm. And when we suppress them, they don't go away. Like we know from physics, like yes. you can't destroy energy. Right. Energy can just transform into something else. But you can't you press it over here. It's going to come out over there inappropriately. Right. So when we suppress energy, it either comes out inappropriately and we react and cause harm to our relationships and then have to re- go through that cycle of react and regret, or it starts showing up in physical symptoms, right? Cancer, heart attacks, 
ulcers, right? That, so we've got to learn how to feel our emotions and learn how to communicate them in a way that is a match for who we are, right? Both courageously, because it does take courage, but also compassionately and, and with a certain level of gracefulness so that the other person can hear it, right? Because every, every time that we point the finger and we accuse the other person, which, which the ego mind is really good at doing and, and putting responsibility on the other person, the other ego mind that doesn't yet even understand what that ego is, all it can do is shut down and defend and build a case as to why it's right. And then we get stuck in these power struggles of, you know, like locking horns. And you know, this is a great, perfect segue into my next question. How divine um, that most, most of us, not all of us know by now that we have two parts to our psyche, our lower self and our higher self. I like to call it like lower self slash ego, higher self slash God self. And yeah. in chapter four, you were talking about that the ego is the, and I loved how you word this. You're so creative in your writing, by the way. I'm just going to keep saying that probably 80 times in this because it, the, the book had so much flow that I was, I was actually like, and you know, it's those that when you pick up a book, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to read the next thing that Christian has to say. You know, it's that kind of, flow and there's like a joy in it and there's your writing and your um just your creativity your personality comes out so beautifully in it but back to what i was saying you called the ego the villainous warden of the empire that keeps us from living in our power yes. so share with everybody how it is that we can escape the hold of that villainous warden of the empire the ego <laughs> i mean i know it's a work in progress i get that but what do you have to say about that, Christian? Yeah, and 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 thank you again for the for the kind um, words about the book. Um, and so part of what I tried to do with the book is make it fun and make it compare it to the hero's journey. So that's that's what you know that's what you're referencing to. You know how in the process of freeing ourselves and exploring ourselves, we go through the realm of the ego. We have to understand how the ego mind works before we can go to the realm of relationships and learn how to really do relationships consciously or step into our power, right? Go to the, 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 the I forget what I call it, the principality or power, whatever I call it. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a cute little map with all the different territories yes. that we explore. Um, and so first step, right? The primary step is understanding the ego mind because that is the source of all our problems and, and all our suffering. If we want to have the kind of relationships that we long for, relationships that actually have a chance of working, if we want to have a sense of personal empowerment uh, and, and we want to stop giving our power away, uh, if we want to have a life that is filled with meaning and with purpose, we've got to understand how the ego mind works. And, mm -hmm. and, and you know, it's something that I didn't get from my psychiatrist's father. I didn't get it from any psychology teacher. Um, I didn't get it from, you know, the Jesuits that I studied with in high school. And, and so when I first understood this way of, this way of understanding what, how the ego mind works, which is derived from Eastern teachings, a mix, mixture of both, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's understanding that it's part of who we are. And, and here's a great metaphor to, to use to describe it. If you put a baseball in the center of a stadium, that's what the ego is. Who we are is actually the stadium. And we've allowed this tiny tiny part of who we are to think that it is all who we are and to run the show and to make really important choices really critical choices about our lives about our relationships about what we do and what we don't do from its very limited and always fear-based perspective mm -hmm. 
So it's the ego that gets us both into interpersonal trouble. It's the ego that is the reason for divorce and for war. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that's why I spend... And it's loud. Loud. It's relentless. It's relentless. It's relentless. It's what the Buddhists call the monkey mind. You know, because it's got something to say about everyone and everything, every moment of the day. It drives us crazy. So we jump from thought to thought in the same way that a jumping and that a monkey jumps from branch to branch. Right. And so it and it all connects because that's that is the level of worldly power, right? That's the reason, that's the kind of power that it lends itself to abuse. Yeah. That's the kind of power that we most of us have an ambivalent relationship to. Mm-hmm. And going back to the original question, the other kind of power that's the soulful power, spiritual power that is inside of every one of us is, is based, first of all, on internals, because we tend to associate worldly power with things outside of us, fame, money, people who have some kind of, you know, high up in some kind of hierarchy, whether it's a corporate ladder or some religious institution, but all those things, because they're outside of us, they're fickle, right? Here today, gone tomorrow. And as many people are discovering through COVID where so many companies and jobs are, you know, gone. Mm-hmm. And people are having to like figure out who they are now and, and what they're about and what they're here for, which is a good thing, ultimately. Right. The other kind of power is internal, right? And it's humble. So I think of Gandhi or Gandalf, you know, from, mm-hmm. from the Lord of the Rings and in, in their simple monastic robes, their sandal feet, you would never know how much power they hold mm-hmm. until it's called for, until it's necessary. And, and Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees when it was at its highest point globally without shooting a gun or landing a punch. Like, talk about right. power. Isn't that, I mean, ooh, I love this conversation. I'm so chilled from head to toes right now. Keep going, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> talk about power. And that's the kind of power, right, that, that we can reconcile with that doesn't require like for us to push anybody down, step on them, control them, manipulate them in order for us to feel powerful. And so timely too, because of, of you know, the, the social justice unrest. There's the kind of, that's, that's an example of the kind of power that we have to put our knee to somebody's neck to keep them down and to yeah. keep ourselves yes. in power over them. Yes. Um, and, and we're just at a point in terms of human evolution where we've had enough. We've had enough of that. Do you see the shift happening? Do you see, you know, if the universe is self-correcting and self-organizing, do you see this shift trying to trying to come forth in, in humanity before we blow ourselves up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And and you know, the planet will be fine. You know, it might take a few million years, but life will continue. Mm-hmm. And and consciousness, consciousness will continue. Maybe it turns out to be a conscious cockroach planet. <laughs> who knows who knows whether we make it someone's someone's going to be conscious darn it we don't know who that's going to be yet <laughs> right whether we make it hmm right we're just now beginning to witness what we have unleashed on the environment yes i tend to feel optimistic you know and, and we witness right the pendulum even even in relationship to power we see from from one administration to the next right and we see like a really and this isn't about names of parties or it's not about politics I'm, I'm talking about energetics yes and and symbols right so we, we we see like one extreme of a very patriarchal power over um approach 
uh, and super controlled and, and always with an agenda, like trying to get something for itself and always self-aggrandizing, like trying to blow itself up to be bigger than it is. That's worldly power, that's egoic power. Mm -hmm. And then out of that, then we have a Me Too movement, right? We're, we're, we're the feminine, we're just saying, nope, no, nope, we're not doing that enough, yeah. enough. Yeah. I, mean, so I feel optimistic. I feel it's it's a matter of time. You know, I don't know how long the pendulum is going to swing. And I'm imagining that it will swing less and less each time and a middle path. But I think it's 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 a reversible. Yeah. To me, it's a reversible. I think another way that that what's we it's, can talk about it's, it's irreversible or reversible. Irreversible. Irreversible. What is what is irreversible? The awakening. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. The awakening. I think it's a reversal. I think it's like that's a cat that you can't put back in the in the bag. <laughs> yep. And obviously, and we're seeing the opposing forces, right? We're seeing the opposing forces that are still trying to control yes. and keep things the way that they are. And 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 which is part of the ego, right? Like that's the definition of ego, even in our private lives, not only globally, mm -hmm. but it's 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 a control freak and it's a micromanager. Um, and it tries to control not only everything about our lives, but everybody else's lives around us, including what we think about our emotions. And it's, that's, I think in terms of evolution, I think that's where we are, where we're popping out or we see the possibility of popping out of this level of ego consciousness. Mm -hmm. We see what's beyond it. Yeah. And it, we're, another way that we can think about it is that we're witnessing the, the end of the patriarchal system. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Yes, yeah. I am so in alignment with everything you're saying. When you're talking about the pendulum, it has to swing back and forth before it can come back to center. I often use that same analogy, mm -hmm. if that's the right word. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like everything's purposeful. And I love the, uh, the vast waking up. And even in our youth, my daughter, who's 15, and she's on her social media, the things, the concepts that she will come to me, I feel like our youth is getting things it's one of the pluses of social media because there she's coming to me with language that i did not have at her age yes. you know that we mm -hmm. you and i probably had to learn the long and hard way that they now have access to this which is i believe a good thing because yes. there is more awareness in general i feel on the planet right now based on social media it's one of the pluses of it but i want to move on to the next question which is in chapter five, because I fully believe in this too, is that the vulnerability is kind of the pathway to being able to open your heart, access your emotions, and, and basically heal this disempowerment and this connection to the ego. Because if we don't bring in the light, the dark is always going to rain, right? So right. Um, can, you, can you tell us your definition of vulnerability and how it's a more powerful and liberating way of being. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you. And and so yeah, it's it's kind of related to what we were talking about before. Like we we think that walking around like this, you know, like like robots, not feeling, um, is powerful, right? But 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 this is no way to live, right? Because this is this this is like you're in DEFCON one, like in a permanent state of defensiveness. You're like waiting for the next attack, sometimes getting in the first punch just in case, right? Preemptively. Yes. That's no way to live. This is this is a prison. Right? This is no this is not freedom. This is not power. This is pseudo power. Yes. Right? This is a form of power that is more connected to to bullying um, and not feeling and, and exerting power over. 
rather than power with, right? Which is not threatened. Like, like when you're when we're in our authentic power, we're not threatened by somebody else having power. Like, why would I? Why would your power take away from mine? It doesn't have to. Amen. My, my power's mine. Nobody can take that away from me. Uh, only like we're saying, only we can give it away. And so, what's actually more powerful is doing this, right? Like opening up. Because it's and it's a more vulnerable place to be because we're like making ourselves opening to others and to life. Mm -hmm. right? Like this, the ego walks around like this, trying to control and, and minimize and, and try to control what's uncontrollable. Right? What is so it's a, it's a futile attempt to control life, which is incontrollable. Um, it, but that's why we walk around in such limited ways of being and in such prisons about how we are. Um, and controlling the way we express. And then we, 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 we wear so many masks, you know, we're this way at work, this way at home with our parents, this way at home with, with our partners, this way with our friends. And it's exhausting. Yeah. Um, like how much more empowering and simple to just be who we are, wherever we are. And so vulnerable because, you know, we, we make ourselves vulnerable to what other people say to us. Right. Or, or the way that we that we relate to life is more open, but it's basically more empowered because this attitude of open arms is basically saying to life, hey, life, I got this. Yeah. No matter what you throw my way, I got this. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's really a much, much more empowered way to live. Mm -hmm. Well, they say that they say that it's that vulnerability is actually strength. Yeah, because we have to have the courage to say, this is who I am. And this I'm going to share this with you. And I like me. And I'm going to be open to life rather than like you said, putting up the blocks and the barriers and keeping everything so constricted, we're, we're really closing off the the what I would call the energy of life, the universal yeah. energy, we're just yes. kind of blocked, and we're not letting anything in or out. Yes. But, you know, self-protection. I call it self-armor because self -armor. that's what it is. Yeah. Because I mean, there's a part of us that do need to protect ourselves from other things that are happening in the world just as a form of self-love. That's why I call it armor because it really is this wall. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you're right. We're, we're, we're talking, we're not talking about becoming doormats right. in being vulnerable. Right? It's we're talking about a journey of personal empowerment. Yes. But rather than, than thinking like that, this external way of being, of not feeling, of, of numbing ourselves out and, and running away from the emotions and, and fearing connection, we think that's powerful, but it's not. That, that keeps us disempowered. Same thing, like, and, it, and it's heroic, right? That's why the series is about what it means to live heroically. Yeah. Calling all heroes, because this is, it's, it's, not, it's tough. It's heroic work, like to walk around like this, feeling to numb ourselves out on our emotions and our, and our dreams and our desires and our preferences uh, for the for the illusion of acceptance and security um, anybody can do that we've all done that every one of us has done that at some point so it's not hard it's easy yeah. it's imprisoning it's not rewarding the other path which is more difficult it requires a lot of self-work a lot of self-observation a lot of understanding why we do the things we do Understanding how the ego mind works, understanding, you know, our patterns and, and our and 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 our triggers, it takes work, and and sometimes we got to look at stuff that's not fun to look at, 
but it is so rewarding. It is. It's freedom is the reward. Freedom, just to be who we are always and, and to no longer sell out, to be all of who we are. And at the end of each chapter, Christian, you have the power practices, which are for everybody who's listening, they're actually, you know, putting this stuff into play. And for people who might be shameful or really are really in their eye, I suck really deeply. This, you know, you can do this by yourself. You yes. don't, you don't have to take the grand leap out into the world, standing on a rooftop, telling everybody who you are. You can, this work is internal. It's personal, yes. correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we're always at choice. That's freedom. Right? It doesn't mean we have to reveal every part of us in every setting no of course not mm -hmm. we, we retain choice over how much and with whom we share it um so it's all about choice and in and, and empowering because the the power is in the choice rather than being run by subconscious wounds and, and old misunderstandings from childhood and beliefs that we took on from little minds that didn't know any better that we took on beliefs like I suck or there's something wrong with me or I'm not good enough or, or you know, we made sense or made gave meaning to something that had nothing to do with us. Like, for example, our parents got divorced at a young age, perhaps. And rather than like what those little minds that don't know any better, we made it about us. So daddy doesn't love me. How could he leave me? He must mean that he doesn't love me. So what's wrong with me? Whereas in reality, who knows what was going on in daddy's mind and mommy's mind? Who knows what was going on in the relationship? Who knows about their history with relationships, the way they were raised and their parents raised them and their parents before them. And yet those little minds make it all about us. Yes. And then that belief impacts every relationship that we have. It does because it's how we see, we start to see ourselves in a way of lack Yes. And not enough. And so it, it, can you tell us a little bit about that, how that gets reflected back to us? Because if that's what we believe, that's all that's all we can attract. There you go. <laughs> that's all we can attract. Yeah, we're always so going to see it. Yes, it's the bad news and the good news, right? And, and that's why this work is so, it, yeah, it's not easy, but it's so worthwhile. Right? Mm -hmm. so, so if we're willing to do that work of like going within and figuring out, all right, what was, how long have I felt this way that there was something wrong with me or that I'm too much of this, not enough of that? Where did it come from? And it's not fun, right? It's gonna remember memories. You probably take us back to memories that we've tried to run away from and not remember and not feel. But it's there that the keys to freedom are, right? Because once we get it, then we, then we can say, wow, that was just a misunderstanding. Like, of course I'm worthy, of course. Yeah. I deserve love, of course. Like it's, and and then from that everything changes. Mm -hmm. Like and our relationship to power changes. The 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 stronger that our sense of self becomes, the deeper our self love and self acceptance. Mm -hmm. The more free we are, and the less dependent that we are on what other people think, and yes. and where the less we're ruled by societies or familial expectations. Mm -hmm. You said that it's the keys to freedom. And I had that experience. I was wondering if you did too, as you started to do this work, like at first it might be a little cringy. People might be like, Ooh, yeah, I don't like that. I'm that I was a doormat and, a, you know, put up with stayed with two years with an abusive boyfriend from 17 to 19, you know, over here, Kristen Brown. And, um, but what I noticed and tell me if you've had this experience that, 
that it became kind of fun. It was like once I started to reveal this stuff and build the platform of self-love, I was like, oh, this is fun because I felt so much better. Yes. It's, a, it's an adventure, right? And that's what makes life worth it. I love that. It's an adventure. Yeah. I just started you know, a year-long virtual coaching program because I haven't been able to do retreats. I've been doing retreats for 30 years. And because of COVID, obviously, I haven't been able to, to do retreats. And I'm really grateful because I've known for years that I needed to, if I wanted to scale the work and reach the numbers of people that I feel called to reach, mm-hmm. like I knew I had to create virtual programming and COVID forced me, it forced my hand to do so. And that program is called Adventures in Transformation. I because love it. it is an adventure. And, and that's, yeah, the beginning is, is rough and you gotta, you know, remember stuff that's not fun to remember and you gotta, you know, there's payoffs. There's payoffs for feeling, for being in prison and there's payoffs for feeling, for being stuck in a victim relationship to life. You know, if, if it only wasn't for what mom did or father didn't do or the minister or the society or sexism, racism of homophobia, if it only wasn't for that, if I hadn't been born poor, if it only wasn't for that, then I would be happy. Right. As, as long as we're holding something or someone outside of us responsible for our state of being, we just gave our power away. Just gave it away. That's That was one of my next questions. In chapter eight, you talk about being stuck in victim mode. And I know for myself that stepping away from that meant stepping into victory. It's like the minute that I changed the mindset from yes. victim to, to victory, to victor, everything changed for me. And not that I still can't dabble in that. I'm still human. I still have my ego part of me. And sometimes I have a little pity party. I'm a little faster with it than I was in the past, but can you tell us why we get caught in that victim trap and maybe give us some tools or something to transcend that when, or even to even recognize we're there because I feel like this stuff becomes such a cycle such a habit within us that we're just victim, 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 victim. We don't even know it. God, Kristen, yeah, it's, it's a state of consciousness. Yeah. The state of consciousness. And, and it is the toughest one. That is the toughest thing to, to free ourselves from. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what people resist the most. Mm. You know, because people, we have so much identity connected to the poor me. Yeah. And, 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 and this is not to minimize anybody's pain or, right. or, to, or, or to make light of anybody's trauma. Like, of course not, right? Like, like there's some really tragic crap, for lack of another word, that the, the things that humans do to each other, yeah. right? So it's not to, to say to minimize that. It's not to, take, to say that we have to hang out with anybody that we don't want to ha- hang out with or to be in relationship with anybody any relationship that doesn't serve us so it's a journey of empowerment and if we want to be free we've that victim card has to be torn and and i don't see a way i'm not dogmatic about many things i'm only dogmatic about three things that i know of um going within like i don't see a way around it if you want to be free that you've got to know like right like even if it sounds almost cliche if you want to be able to love somebody else and have a relationship that really works, you can't do that unless you really love yourself. So to me, and, and you can only do that if you really know yourself. So there's no way around that, that I can see. Um, forgiveness, another one that I don't, you know, I'm, I'm open to being shown a different way, but the way that I see it now, 
as long as we're holding somebody over the fire for what they did or failed to do, our hand is also getting burnt. Yeah. Right. So we've, you know, we've heard this, like forgiveness is for us. Um, and so that one, I also don't see a way around. The third one is, is the victim thing. And because of what we're talking about, because as long as we're holding anything outside of us responsible for our happiness and our state of being, that we just gave our power away right. completely. And, and so here's the thing. Here's to answer your question about how to begin to reframe that. It's like life is going to continue. One thing we can count on, right? Life is going to continue throwing curveballs our way. There's no way around that. Can I say shit? Well, I'm going to say it. You shit can say happens. whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Shit happens in life, right? And, and, and things happen in our lives that sucked, that should have never happened, especially to kids. Things are going to continue happening that are going to suck, right? But that we can't do anything about. And what we, we always, always, always have choice about how we respond and show up in connection to that. Right. So even from that perspective, like, wow, I hated that that happened. And what I'm going to do with it? How am I going to show up in response to that? That is empowering. That is reclaiming choice. Mm. That is that is tearing up that victim card. And, and nobody exemplifies that for me better than Viktor Frankl, the, the Austrian psychiatrist. Um, you know, lived years in concentration camps, lost everything and everyone, his entire family, his pregnant wife, you know, kind of soulmate kind of relationship, everything taken away from him. Um, and, and that guy was able to say that they could take everything away from him. And, 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 and for us to really capture what that means, because we're never going to get what it's like to live in a concentration camp, no matter how many books or how many movies we, we watch or, yeah. or read. Um, because so many little choice points that we take for granted every day. Right? Am I going to get up at 7 or am I going to snooze 15 minutes and get up at 7.15? Am I going to wear my red shirt or my blue shirt to work? Am I going to have oatmeal or eggs for breakfast or maybe I skip breakfast? On a, on a, and those are just the simple choices that we take for granted, not to mention the big ones. Like, what am I going to study in college? Am I going to go on that coffee date? Am I going to stay or go? Uh, from this job or this relationship, right? So everything taken away from him. And that guy was able to say that they could take everything away from him except for one thing, the ability to choose Wow! how he would be in response. It's like, wow. 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 If he can do it there, yeah, certainly we can do it in our lives. And, and not, again, not minimizing anybody's trauma. No. But, it, but I know if he can do it there, we can do it in our lives. Did you see the movie, It's a Beautiful Life? I think it was called, where the, yeah, oh gosh. I could only watch it once because it was, you know, yeah, the empath in me was like, that was way too much for me. But he was making a choice that he, yes. was, that he was going to show his son a beautiful life, even within a concentration camp. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that movie... Wow. It's this, it's, I hear what you're saying. You're saying we get this choice regardless of the position that we're in. We get to choose. That's our personal power. Yes. That's our freedom. Yeah. Our freedom. That's and that's our... when we become a hero is by choosing, by being our own hero. Yes. Right. Stepping up in our, in our, and saying, that's I'm going to do this for me. 
That's it. Yeah. And nobody, uh, nobody can give us our power. Nobody can, can liberate us. Mm-hmm. Nobody can free us. Only we can do that. You know, we, some people can take away our, like imprison us, like in the concentration camps, but nobody can take, in, take away our personal power within our mind. No, exactly. So they can do physical things to us, but exactly. we are in charge of up up top and exactly. how we're going to process. You know, it's so powerful that you said that. And that's what Nelson Mandela said, right? That if he hadn't been able to forgive his his um, jailers, that he would still be in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a state of mind. Oh. It's a state of mind. This interview is, I'm chills. I am like, my heart's huge right now. It just feels so incredibly good to talk to you. I mean, I love their message that you're giving to the world. And twice now you have, you have brought up forgiveness and I find forgiveness to be key. I mean, that's a course in miracles thing too. It's like forgiveness, radical. I think they call it quantum forgiveness. It's just like all day, every day. Um, Let's just touch on that briefly about forgiveness and it's so hard for so many people when somebody killed their daughter, drunk driver killed their daughter, or, you know, someone's been murdered or even just your friend cheated on you, or, you know, there's, there's all kinds of levels. And we, I, I know I'm speaking for you too and saying that we're not discounting everybody's pain is specific to them. What might not be as painful to someone else may be super painful to someone else. So we're not discounting anybody's pain but or level of trauma or things that have happened but that forgiveness really is is you speak on it christian that's why you're here you're speaking beautifully you're speaking beautifully (laughs) about it you're speaking beautifully and and it's very heroic right it's because sometimes we have to forgive the unforgivable right i can't tell you how many people over the last 30 years i've worked with who experienced all those things and, and, you know, violent crime and rape and sexual abuse. And it's almost impossible mm-hmm. right, to, to forgive that because, because I think we feel like if we forgive that we're, we're giving up our, our, our power, what little power we held over that. Um, and I understand that. And it's, and forgiveness doesn't mean that we, that it's making it all right. What they did it doesn't make it okay. It's not about rationalizing what they did. It'll never be okay. What they did is not cool, period. (laughs) Period. And if we want to be free, we got to find a way to forgive it. And and here's a way to do it that I learned from from former teacher, um, which makes it doable. Forgive, right? Flip the syllables around. Give for. Oh, what we're doing when we forgive, we're giving the other person and ourselves, which is almost always more difficult, the self-forgiveness part, mm-hmm. we're giving them and us the room to be human, right? That's what we're giving, the space to make mistakes, to fall short of the mark, to make a royal mess of things, mm-hmm. right? The ego mind went to law school. It, it really has a charge on being right has a need to be right. So the ego is always appoints itself judge, jury, prosecutor, and knows exactly what the other person did that was wrong, what the punishment should be, and so often delivers it. Right. What we're doing when we forgive is we're stepping out of that, right? We're stepping out of the baseball into 
the stadium that has more perspective. And, 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 we're, and all we got to do is like bring in the question mark that maybe, like maybe, I can't see it. I can't see myself doing that. But maybe if I had been raised in their culture at their time by their parents and the way that their parents were brought up before that, maybe who knows about their brain but biochemistry, who knows about experiences that they have had that I don't know about, Maybe there were addiction issues that I didn't know about. Maybe I might have done the same. Maybe. Yeah. And that's enough, right? That's enough to get out of that self-righteous. And, 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 it's, it, and it's good for us to get off of that because it's, you know, it's like this thing, you know, like where you're pointing the finger. There's, well, let's see if I get it. One finger, a blame pointing forward, three pointing, three pointing back. back. As, yeah. as harshly as we're judging others, we're judging ourselves. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, so, so forgiveness, that's why I think it's one of those things that I, I don't see a way around. Yeah. And this giving for, it's like putting ourselves in their shoes. It's like, maybe, maybe, maybe I too might have turned out the same way or done the same. Maybe. I don't see it, but maybe. maybe. And, it, and it begins to make the room for compassion, not rationalizing. It doesn't mean do we have to hang out with them or ever trust them again. It doesn't mean any of that. Right. It means but means that we have to find a way to come to peace with it ourselves. You touched on all so many great topics about forgiveness that we don't have to condone it. It doesn't mean that we have to hang out with these people again, even if it's a family member. Even if it's no, a family it's, member. It, it, but we once again get to choose how that's yeah. gonna look for us, but we want to set ourselves free. Yes. Opening up the heart again. Which leads me to an, another awesome question I have for you. Where's the line between standing in stubborn, egoic, prideful way and being courageous in standing up for ourselves or for something we value? Because mm. I think people, sometimes humans, we can confuse the two where we think, well, I'm just standing up for myself when really we're just being egoic and proud and stubborn. Yeah. Where there is a time where we really have to set a boundary with someone and really hold that boundary, even if someone else is telling us we're being stubborn, like they're trying to manipulate us into not holding that boundary. But can you give us some or a, a tool or an idea or just a, a perception shift of that we can do within ourselves that when we are holding a line, where how can we tell when it really is a positive, healthy line as opposed to a prideful, negative, you know, egoic line? Yeah, no, that's a beautiful question, a very profound question. And and it, and it has to do with the come from, right? Look, what's driving the behavior? Because the behavior could be the same, but what's what's underneath it? What's driving it? Um, and so here's some ways to to parse that out. And, and it takes work again, right? It's, it takes work and it takes raw self-honesty um, and the willingness to look, to look at ourselves and to ask the, the hard questions. So why, am I, why do I feel this way? Why do I have such a strong feeling about this? Uh, and so here's some ways that, that are helpful. Like, how do we know whether that voice in our head is the voice of the ego or the voice of the stadium? Call it the higher self, the soul, whatever you want to call it. Um, so here's some ways the, the ego, like I said, went to law school, 
Like, so whenever we find ourselves building a case, like pulling from here and pulling from there and reaching into the past as to like why you did this and why you always do that and why I'm right, ego, right? Always, like hands down, no, no question about it. Um, whereas that voice of the stadium is that still quiet voice within that, that the holy texts talk about that's inside every one of us. Right? It's, we all have that, um, right? That, that voice of wisdom, the voice of intuition, the voice of knowing. Um, and so the thing is then how to, and, and, and its language is very simple, right? It doesn't use big words. It doesn't use complicated concepts. It, it'll say things like, yes, uh-uh. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> do that there's no sentences involved here <laughs> god's I, talking i wouldn't go there right when do we yeah. get into we overwrite it and we go there anyway every single time every single time so the thing is like we all know right it's, it's in there like the thing is like learning to listen to it right so i mean first of all quieting ourselves from that crazy busy monkey mind so like we can access does it look the the deeper truth the knowing that's inside every one of us yeah oh gosh i love that quickly i love to hear people's definition of the soul because chris brown still is like is that you know what exactly is the soul so because i talk often about our spirit being you consulting our spirit you know which i feel is our connection to god you know it's a god inside of us but then i'm like well isn't that the soul so what is your definition of the soul you know, I'm not a theologian, so I don't have the, the fancy <laughs> words for it. What it is to me yeah. is, is our own piece of sacred real estate. Mm -hmm. Right? right? If, if, if we believe, like even, even you know, like in, in the Eastern traditions and in the indigenous traditions, they didn't have that dichotomy the black and white difference between the physical and the spiritual that we in the West have. Now it's pretty much all over the world, um, which is, by the way, another conversation for another day in which I'm getting into the, the next book is the reason, you know, why we have such a split between sexuality and spirituality. Um, Ooh, that, so, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how do we bridge that? Um, so if, but if, if we go by the Western teachings of, of God, which would, you know, which say that God is omnipresent. Well, it means that God is everywhere. Well, it means that God is in here too, mm -hmm. right? That we are an expression of that, that we live in it and it lives in us. Um, and when we look at it from that perspective, by the way, don't tell me that God is everywhere except for yeah. the bedroom and the genitals. Right. No. Nope. Right. So it's, it's either everywhere or it's not. Absolutely. You know, I'm going to ask you one final question, All right. which is, uh, you, cause you know, I could keep you for eight hours. Yeah. You and I could talk for, for we, a long time. <laughs> you, you know, we could, uh, we could, and we're going to I hope we can revisit this and have, have some more episodes because there's just so much. I would love to Kristen. Oh, would that would be to. wonderful. Stay connected. So a lot of people wait to have a breakdown 
before they have a breakthrough. Small mm. backstory for me is that I've always been connected to God. God was my playmate when I was young. I talked to God riding my bike. I've always had, you know, some sort of connection to a higher power and dealt with that my whole life. And then in the 20, early 20s, got my first self-help book or spiritual book, which, you know, I kept doing my whole life, super intuitive, yada, yada. But it wasn't until I had a literal, like, crash and burn. I call it my tsunami that happened in 2009 where, you know, life was wiped out as I knew it and everything that I had felt comfortable with in the world, all the extrinsic things that made me feel safe and like I mattered when all that was wiped out, I call it my breakdown, but my breakdown turned into my breakthrough. Yes. Because of victimhood. Yes. You know, no longer being a victim, all these things we've spoken about. Yeah. But I often tell people, and I would love to hear your words on this, is that you don't have to wait for the breakdown. I mean, hearing hearing this is, is why wait for the breakdown, Christian? Yes, yes. You know, you're absolutely right. Why wait? My, you know, my, my teacher used to say that once you get your soul's calling, once you get the call from the universe, you either go willingly or you're going to get dragged by the hair kicking and screaming. Oh, I love that. Let me just sit with that for a minute. Once you get your <laughs> call from the universe, you're either going to go willingly or you're going to get dragged kicking and screaming. Yeah. So, I, you know, like, unfortunately, I don't know about, the, about what it is about human nature. Well, I know what it is. is it's, the, it's the ego that is so resistant to change, so resistant to change. And that sometimes, even if change is miserable, it, it doesn't care, right? It, it, it's, it holds on to the status quo even if it's miserable. So anything that signifies change, it's gonna resist and it's gonna be threatened by. So that's the reason that we sometimes, we've got life has to just like shock the very foundations from under us in order for us to finally make the choice, yeah. right? The choice of whatever it is to either follow our soul's calling or, or get out of the relationship or find a more fulfilling job or whatever it is, whatever it is that that's falling apart in front of us, that's forcing us to make the choice that we've known. We've known inside of us that we needed to do. Right. We just didn't want to do it and we didn't want to see it. And then what happens is we numb it out. That's the only other way either we do it or if we don't do it, the, the, the pull, the call starts getting stronger. And when this, we start resisting it and it starts hurting and becoming uncomfortable. So then we have to numb it out. Yeah. In all the many, many ways that we numb out, whether it's substances or, or whether it's sex or whether it's um, shopping or gaming, uh, you know, working too hard. It's like all the ways that we run away from from ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And um, one final question. <laughs> I'm going to stop after this because this could just go on and on. One final question is sometimes people want to see great change quickly and it doesn't quite happen that way. Can you speak about the progression and maybe the patients involved or just letting go and allowing the journey? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's actually the more graceful way of doing it. Mm -hmm. um, right. Cause the, the other dramatic change is the, the other way, which, you know, where the foundation is shaken without, forces us to make those choices so don't you know, don't don't overestimate the slow gradual or don't judge don't make wrong the slow gradual path and just let it be all right you know let it be all right that's that's the thing like we're, we're always a choice 
right? And, and we're, we're, we can either do it in baby steps or we could take huge leaps. Mm -hmm. We get to decide that. Yeah. We get to decide that. And if we can allow it to be a graceful unfolding. Right. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't, it's not always going to like present itself in some, because a lot of times, again, people are so attached to the ego of getting the answer now and everything's going to be better. And the hero's journey, the spiritual journey, the reclaiming of our power, in my view, is, yeah. is sort of an unfolding Yes. Where yeah. you're just kind of noticing things are different. Yes. Because you're showing up to the work and you're healing. Beautiful. Well, Christian, I can't thank you enough for being here. I am so incredibly honored to have you on my podcast. And thank you for all of your wisdom and, and your heart and your vulnerability and this book, Awakening the Soul of Power for anybody who's interested, you can find that where, Christian? Where can they find your book? Thank you. It's available wherever books are sold. You can get it on Amazon or you can get it at your local bookstore. Okay. And and get it. Like, get the yeah. book because it's, it's, it's designed in a way that's going to guide you by the hand. Short chapters with the power practices that, that you were talking about, right? Which, which make it easier to integrate the teaching so that it doesn't stay at the level of conceptual and hypothetical, right? So th that's the, the purpose of it is to apply it to our lives. So there's no rush to get through it. There's the not. And, short. and it's, um, it's such a, I don't know the right word, peaceful. When you read this, when I read this book, I guess I can only speak for me. I didn't feel, you know, like, there's, it doesn't feel attacking in any way. It's really like, it's so incongruent with our soul that if you read this with an open mind, it, it can't help but transform you in some way because the concepts are so deep and so spiritual and so soulful for lack of a better word yeah. <laughs> that it, it, you know, it may ignite some people's ego. I, I wanted to go as far as to say it won't ignite your ego. What I'm trying to say is that it is written from such a place of heart and openness and love, just the love in this book that it's, it's a very non-threatening book to read. It's, yeah, thank you so much for picking up on that. It, it is yeah. based on experience, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's, I walk my talk. Yes. Okay? I lived every page of that book and I still practice those, those practices yes. and those teachings. And, and you're right, the, so it will trigger some egos for sure. And it's going to be judged, like, because that's what the ego does, right? The right. ego judges. Yes. So of course, the book is going to be judged. Of course, I'm going to be judged. But the more, but that's the, the, the freedom and the power of, of getting to what, the level that we're talking about, of, of not being stuck in our own egos, where like, yeah, I know it. And I don't take it personally. Like, I'm not responsible for what they're going to think and how they're going to react to my book. It's not my job. Exactly. <laughs> not my job. Freedom. My, freedom. freedom. Freedom right there. <laughs> so the last thing, Christian, is where can they everyone find you if they'd like to contact you, get into a group, um, Facebook pages, IG, what do you got? Yeah, all of that. Um, soulful power. Probably the best way that they can then access my social media. The best way is my website, soulfulpower.com. And if they're interested in the Adventures in Transformation uh, year-long coaching program, 
which is really an amazing experience with piecemeal teachings within that interactivity that you're talking about in the books. Mm -hmm. we, we do it together in life, right? That's the benefit of doing it over the year that we go slowly and we really get yeah. what the ego is, how we step into power in a way that is a match for who we are, that how we, how we remove obstacles to relationships um, and to love. Um, and how we how do we hold our own relationships in a way that that is healthy yeah um, and that they have a chance of working and then about purpose that's the last quarter so so yeah they can get all that information about that program also in my, on my website okay which is soulfulpower.com yes thank you okay christian again thank you i love you i'm so glad you were here this was amazing and i can't wait to revisit it I love you, Kristen, and then we haven't met in, in 3D reality yet, but I feel the connection. I'm so grateful for the connection and, and so grateful for the depth of, of our conversation. I hope you all enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And if you did, I would sure appreciate it if you jumped over to iTunes and left me a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to share it with someone that you love. Until next time, everyone, remember, you matter.